How many of you remember your 10th grade geometry class? Did you have geometry in 10th grade? I remember learning that a line has two points. And I would like to use that as an illustration of what we're going to talk about this morning about growing in sanctification. Sanctification in a broad sense begins at a point in time at at salvation. We are set apart, our standing before God is one of perfection. Someday in the future we will be completely sanctified. When Jesus comes again, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. In between that time is the life we live now. And we are to be growing in sanctification. We come to the end of our journey through 1 Thessalonians this morning. We pick up at chapter 5, verse 23. And reading through the end of the book, verse 28. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. Father, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would... Guide us into your truth. Your word is everlasting truth. May the words of my mouth this day, may the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to browse through any bookstore, you would find probably a pretty huge section that we call self-help books on just about every area of life. Things like dieting and exercise, everybody's favorite, dating and marriage, children and family. And almost all of these books will tell you that if you follow the steps that they have outlined in this book, you will be successful. If it were only that simple, huh? Maybe some of you have read some of those books and you've tried to follow those steps and you realize that it wasn't quite as easy as the author made it to be. Self-help books inevitably lead to failure and disappointment because their focus is on the wrong place. What's the focus on? It is a self-help book. Man-centered approach instead of God-centered And that always leads, sooner or later, to defeat. You cannot live as you ought to live in your own strength. A self-help focus will lead to failure. And I believe this is the point that Paul is making as he concludes his letter to the Thessalonian believers. As he's been talking about 
especially starting at verse 12 in this chapter about Christian living or what we might call sanctification. And he tells us very clearly that sanctification is the work of God in our lives. We are, we are dependent upon God to do in us and through us what we could never do ourselves. So we look at sanctification this morning in the life of the believer in three different ways. First of all, we are sanctified positionally when we are saved. We are sanctified in our standing before God, our position before God when we are saved. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, our position or our standing before God is that of perfection. And that was read to us this morning from Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm just going to read verses 11 to 14. It says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, that's Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. And then we have this statement, for by one offering... He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So if you were to ask my wife if she has a perfect husband, she would have to say yes. (laughs) And she would say it with great joy in her heart. (laughs) My standing... My position before God is one of perfection. How can that be, you might ask? And that's a good question. It certainly isn't because of anything that we have done. The Bible is very clear on that, isn't it? We have all sinned and we continue, present tense, to fall short of the glory of God. We live in rebellion against God when we fail to obey His commands, but God has given His Son to die for us, and through His one sacrifice, our relationship with God has been restored. This is why Paul describes God as the God of peace in verse 23. Through Jesus, we have peace with God, and it changes our standing before Him. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says that God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. And what does it say at the end? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So in Jesus Christ today, my standing before God is one of perfect righteousness because I stand in the righteousness of Jesus. The hymn writer puts it this way, My hope is built on nothing less than what? Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So I stand before God by faith in Jesus Christ as having a perfect standing. 
And that is something to rejoice in, isn't it? To think to stand before God and He sees us as righteous because He sees us in Christ, His Son. I have become the righteousness of God in Him. So yes, am I perfect, honey? Oh, she shook her head the other way. She's ruining my point here. My standing before God. My position is one of perfection. That didn't really help. Secondly, notice, we will, now we go to the other end, we will be sanctified completely when we are glorified. We will be sanctified completely when we are glorified. So even though my standing before God is one of perfection, that doesn't mean that my living is perfection. So if my my wife again, if she has a perfect husband, she would have to say, no, (laughs) no. But one day, one day, I am going to be completely perfect, not just in my standing before God, But I will be completely perfect in body, soul, and spirit. Look at what Paul says in verse 23. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. Now, there are two words or phrases that Paul uses to describe what God will do to completely perfect His people. Paul says that, first of all, God will sanctify us entirely. The word entirely is found only here in the New Testament. It's actually made of two words. The word for whole, W-H-O-L-E, and the word end. So the idea is that God will work in us through and through to the end. The New American Commentary says that this word describes the doing of something completely and carrying through to the finish. So what God started in saving us, He will complete when He glorifies us. When Jesus comes again. So God will sanctify the believer entirely. And then Paul says that we also will be preserved complete without blame. In other words, we will not be open to any accusation because... Our sin will be completely gone, no longer a part of us, no longer a sinful nature. And Jude, in his benediction, he says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, blameless, before his throne with exceeding joy. So think of that. When I was saved, my standing before God was one of perfection. When I meet Jesus one day, I will be in body, soul, and spirit, be completely perfected. Almost hard to imagine, isn't it? To think of never struggling with sin again. To think of never yielding to temptation again. 
to never disobeying God's word again, falling short of what God calls me to be. But Paul tells us in verse 24 that we can be certain that this will happen. We will stand before Jesus without blame because of the faithfulness of God. Look at verse 24. Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. So it doesn't depend upon me, it depends upon Jesus, His faithfulness to save me and then to perfect me as I stand in the presence of Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 1.6 that He who began a good work in you will perfect it, will complete it until the day that Jesus comes. 1 John 3.2 says that we shall be like Him, for we shall See Him as He is. What a wonderful promise. So now we come to that third area. In between when I was saved and when I will be glorified, we talk about this progressive sanctification. We are sanctified progressively as we are being Transform. Notice how I'm using present tenses here. This is an ongoing thing as we are being transformed. We need to be transformed in our living because we face a battle every day, don't we? We battle against the devil. We battle against the world. We battle with our own sinful flesh. We struggle with sin. And so how do we deal with that? How does God work that sanctification process in our life? I think Paul gives us a couple of hints here. In verse 25, he asks for prayer. Just a very simple request. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. And even though Paul was a man with great gifts and abilities, he clearly understood his need for prayer. And if you read in his epistles, you will see over and over again, he asks the believers to pray for him. Romans 15, verse 30, I urge you to strive together with me in your prayers. Ephesians 6, 19, pray on my behalf. Colossians 4, verses 2 and 3, devote yourselves to prayer, praying at the same time for us. And this request to pray for us in verse 25 is a present tense which implies an ongoing thing. You need to keep on praying for me. So if Paul couldn't live the Christian life in his own strength, how could the Thessalonians and how can we? Huh? And yet there are times when we try with this whole self-help approach We face the challenges of the Christian life in our own strength, and then we wonder why we fail. Duh. (laughs) This is not a life that we can live in the flesh. It is only as the Spirit of God is, is working in us. And that relationship with God is nurtured and, and, and developed as we spend time on our knees, right? In prayer. Saying, God, help me. God, change me. God, You do in me what I cannot do in myself. Lord, change me. 
A preacher was watching a marble cutter at work, and he said, I wish I could deal such clanging blows on stony hearts. And the workman replied, maybe you could if you worked like me on your knees. (laughs) On your knees. So that relationship with God is, is so important as we spend time in prayer, seeking God's help and strength as we face the battles. And then the second thing that Paul hints at here, verse 27, he talks about the Word of God. He says, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The word adjure is a pretty strong word. It means to bind with an oath. And it would suggest that Paul is very serious about this letter being read to the brethren. And I believe the reason why he uses such strong language is because he is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, putting on paper God's divine revelation, delivering to them and to us the Word of God. And we need that Word, don't we? We need to read the Scriptures. We need to spend time in the Word of God because it is God's Word that transforms our lives. Paul has already made this clear in this letter, if you remember from chapter 1. Verse 5, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to describe the the change that took place in the lives of these believers. They became an example to others. The word of the Lord sounded forth from them. They were witnessing believers. In fact, Paul says in verse 9 that people were telling him about what kind of an impact the word of God had in that congregation. Well, they turn from idols to serve the living God. There's power in God's Word. Chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. So if you want your life to change, the solution is very simple. It is not going to the store and getting a bunch of self-help books. It is spending time with Jesus in His Word and in prayer because the Holy Spirit works through that Word. And that process then of sanctification is an ongoing transformation in our lives. And we might say, I know I'm not what I ought to be. But we can say, I'm I'm thankful I'm not what I used to be. Because of God's work of sanctification, there is power in the Word of God. You've heard that before, haven't you? But the question is, are we applying that in our lives? Are we spending time in that Word so that God can take that, that powerful gospel and 
Use it to transform our lives. Jacob DeShazer was a, a man who went with Jimmy Doolittle's Raiders in Japan in August, excuse me, April of 1942. And he was an atheist, but he was captured by the Japanese and he was put in a prison camp. And, and during those long months there, he started to think about things and he asked for a Bible. If they would be willing to give him a Bible. At first they laughed at him. Finally they agreed to give him a Bible and they said, you can have this Bible for three weeks. And after three weeks, I take it away. True to his word, three weeks later, the guard took the Bible away and Deshazer never saw it again. But in those three weeks, the word of God changed that man's life. This atheist came to know Christ as his Savior, and a few years later, he and his wife and his infant daughter were on their way, guess what? To Japan as a missionary. As a missionary. Three weeks, and the Word of God changed that man's life. If God's Word can turn an atheist into a missionary, just think what God's Word can do in your life. No wonder Paul says, I adjure you to read this to the brother. Make sure they get this message. This Word is, is so important. Now notice how Paul ends this letter. Verse 28. He ends it the same way he began the letter. By referring to the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The same way he began this letter in chapter 1, verse 1. Grace to you and peace. It's as if Paul is saying that the Christian life from beginning to end is all of grace. We came, claim no credit of ourselves. It is God's marvelous and gracious and wonderful work in our lives. I did a little study. You can check it out if you don't believe me. But every epistle that Paul wrote, he begins with grace and ends with grace. That's no accident. What's he telling us? The Christian life from beginning to end is based on the wonderful, gracious work of God in our lives. Sanctification, in terms of our Christian living, doesn't happen overnight. Our standing before God changes the moment we believe. And when we see Jesus face to face, we will be glorified. That will take place in a moment. But this whole process of sanctification is an ongoing thing. And it takes, it takes time, doesn't it? When James A. Garfield was president of Hiram College, a man was brought for entrance as a student. And the father asked this question. He said, Is there a shorter course for my son? The boy can never take it all in. He wants to get through quicker. Can you arrange it for him? 
Mr. Garfield, a minister educator, said, Oh, yes, he can take a short course. It all depends on what you want to make of him. When God wants to make an oak, he takes a hundred years, but he takes only two months to make a squash. <laughs> so, what do you want out of your life? Want to be a squash? <laughs> takes two months to make a squash. Takes a hundred years to make an oak. If you want <laughs> to be like an oak, it begins by coming to Jesus. Salvation. Putting your trust in Him. Recognizing your sin and that you need a Savior. It continues in this whole process of progressively being transformed into the image of Jesus. And then one day it will be completed when Jesus comes again. And by His grace we stand blameless in the presence of God. Faithful is He who calls you. And He also will bring it to pass. Let's pray. Lord, you're not done with us yet. And that's a good thing. There's change that needs to take place in every one of our lives. And that, of course, must begin at salvation. And once we know you as Savior, Lord, your work in us has just begun. And one day it will be completed when we stand in your presence, blameless, with great joy. Lord, thank you for that wonderful hope we have that is based upon your faithfulness to us. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.